Hopefully I won't get too excited like I was during the mummy one and accidentally hit the reset button on my computer. internet i'm annie i'm kit and i'm mac and this is i will fight you a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone cold facts since 1986 today's fact transformers is a cautionary tale for licensed properties so i i've gotten into transformers and i'm going to talk about that but matt are you just along for the ride on this one yeah i'm just along for the ride i don't know shit about transformers nothing i know there's optimus prime i know there are things called decepticons and i know all the lyrics to the touch why do you know all the lyrics to The Touch? After all is said and done, you've never walked. You've never won. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Why do you know this? It's a really great song. No! No, it isn't! When all hell's breaking loose, you'll be right in the eye of the storm. You got the heart. You got the motion. You've never even seen that movie. No. Where did you hear this song? I have an 80s playlist. I mean, like, have you ever even seen Beast Wars? Nope. Beast Machines? Nope. Gone to one of the Michael Bay movies. I did watch four with Annie with Rift Tracks. Wait, which one was- The Dark Side of the Moon one. That's not four, that's three. Whatever, that one. We watched it. By which I mean, I think I mostly zoned out and listened to Mark talk about suicide in Japan. You guys have some interesting movie nights. He's an epidemiologist. So anyway, Annie, I believe you have some things you needed to say to me. Okay, look, I kept hearing about this more than meets the eye comic, and I figured, okay, maybe I'll finally start reading it. I got some on Comixology. It was for free after, like, asking Kit, like, okay, so do you recommend me reading this if I don't really remember much about G1 aside from, like, a handful of Transformers? And she said, oh, yeah, no, it'll be great. I said, cackling maniacally the whole time. Do we want to talk about spoilers here, or should I just... I am going to sub in a time code here, folks. And if you don't want to hear Annie yelling a bunch of spoilers about Transformers, you're going to skip to time code... Four minutes and 55 seconds. Okay, spoilers ahead. Why did they do that to Rewind? I was promised a flying ship of gay robots where you could get your head blown off accidentally and they would just rebuild it and make you better by telling you a story, like a Rashomon story. I was promised that kind of fatality in this world, along with some like, I don't know, sadistic Decepticons, whatever, it's fine, it's fine, they're all hanging out with Grimlock on some planet. But no! I just started to be able to tell all these gay robots apart from each other, and then they kill a tiny little robot who turns into a memory stick. He sacrifices himself, and then his gay robot husband, who has needle fingers, just falls on the floor with one arm in a fetal position, and then he's never the same again. And then it turns out that that's apparently a cornerstone of all these different timelines, different quantum mechanics where these two gay robots have to be torn apart from each other constantly. 
I just started to be able to tell these robots apart and then they made me start caring about them and I hate it. I hate how much I care about these robots and that I know their names now. I have Transformers toys that I can actually name now. I found a whole bunch of Transformers toys when my dad was moving that I took home with me and I can actually put like names to them now. I didn't know who Ultra Magnus was. Just all these, all these gay robots that love each other and have beautiful relationships and we've accomplished something banners and car shaped like a head and Megatron has like little tattoos on his chest and little green robots and like blue robots who can't smile they had to go into a microscope to make sure he could smile and I, I love this comic and I hate you welcome to gay robot hell Annie god damn it what am I supposed to do with these feelings about all these robots well, what you're supposed to do is find some unsuspecting friend of yours and be like, Hey, do you like Transformers? I know of this really cool comic you should read. I'm so many volumes behind. I've already spent so much money and I haven't even gotten to the end of More Than Meets the Eye before it switches over to being Transformers Lost Light. I bought crossover books. I bought books for a crossover event. I hate those. And here I am. I care about Megatron and his little book. I hate it. Okay, and we're back. For those of you who skipped to avoid spoilers, welcome back to the episode. I'm so upset. You did this to me. Uh, you're gonna do it to somebody else, and you will feel the same sadistic glee that I'm feeling right now. Hey, friends who skipped over that whole rant, uh, you want to hear about a cool comic book called More Than Meets the Eye? You should read it and then tell me about it. Let me feel your pain. It's got a lot of funny good jokes. You guys, I think I broke Annie. <laughs> I'm just gonna cool down. Why don't you just, why don't you just, you're the one that actually knows more about robots. I was happy knowing all about Beast Wars and trying to pretend Beast Machines didn't happen. And now I have all of this other Transformers knowledge now that I, 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 I want, but I don't. So why don't you just take it away, Kit? Okay, so um, we usually do a thing where we talk about what our experience with a certain piece of media is. Mac already explained hers. Annie, in her own special way, explained her Transformers experience. Dinobot died for her since twice. Dinobot is double raptor Jesus, okay? My first Transformers uh, series was Beast Wars, although it was called Beasties in Canada because uh, CRTC regulations say you can't put war in the name of the title of a children's show. Didn't Mainframe have a whole separate thing with that with a show called War Planets? Yeah, only here it was called Shadow Raiders. Beasties, though. Beasties, yeah. They changed the theme song and everything. Well, that's right, because that because the only lyrics in that song was just some dude shouting, Beast Wars! Only here it was Beasties! In that 90s guitar that was so lame, it actually shot the moon and came all the way back around to Rad. Yeah. I mean, it's better than the Japanese dub. Anyway, Beast Wars was my uh, gateway drug into Transformers when I was a kid. And Beast Machines, I did, to my great regret, watch that all the way through because I wanted more Beast Wars. We all thought we wanted more Beast Wars. We all did, and it turns out that we were wrong. Not like that. My favorite character in Beast Wars was Air Razor, by the way, and I will never forgive the way that Mainframe did her dirty. Oh, yeah, that, that did not work out. Like, you didn't even get through the whole series. At least I had, like, vague Dinobots throughout the whole thing in one form or another. Yeah, there was always a Dinobot in Beast Wars, although it was not necessarily the same Dinobot. There were multiple Dinobots, it's fine. After Beast Machines ended, I watched the first Robots in Disguise cartoon, which was basically they took a bunch of Gen 2 episodes and repackaged them. Uh, that was terrible. And from there, I kind of dipped out around the time that Armada was a thing. I was too uh, old for my parents to be buying toys for me, but I was too young to actually have money to buy toys myself. So I didn't have, I didn't really get into the whole Transformers Armada thing with the mini cons. And then I came back 
around the time of the movies and Transformers Prime. I'm older than you guys, so I actually did watch G1, like the original Transformers Robots in Disguise, while it was on while it was on TV. I just didn't really watch it as much as I watched other shows. And Transformers was in reruns for a much longer time than Sage Gem and the Holograms. But I got out of that eventually, got back in super hard in Beast Wars, and then I tried to watch that one Transformers anime that they showed on Toonami with the mini cons with Rad, who wanted to tell you about the Transformers. Yeah, that was uh, that was Armada. Yep, that was Rad. His name was Rad. I like how uh, both of us just basically skipped Armada. Yeah, I tried. I tried pretty hard. But Rad always wanted to tell me about the Transformers. We know Rad! And then I just sort of got out of it for a really long time until these comics. As much as I'm going to complain about the 2007 Transformers movie, I will give it credit for bringing me back to Transformers. If only because I remembered it being better. I had that experience with Voltron. The, the purpose of this episode is to talk about how Transformers, specifically the Michael Bay movies, are sort of a, a, a warning for anyone who wants to have their property adapted into a film. And I'm not one of those people who's like, the Michael Bay Transformers movies destroyed my childhood because they didn't. I have actual problems in my life, just generally. Here's the thing. Transformers is and always has been a story property that exists solely to sell toys to children. That's why it exists. It is a brand. So it's always kind of been dictated by that. It's always been like this blatantly exploitative capitalist story. And the fact that we derive joy from it despite that is, I think, pretty awesome. So many 80s properties are like that, like in a really fascinating way. In a way that even the 90s couldn't quite recapture with things like Street Sharks, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were introducing stuff all the time. Gem of the Holograms had a whole episode about a radio station because they had a playset for it, My Little Ponies. Nothing else has ever been able to redo that aside from the 80s. Broadly speaking, of course. Stan. Stan, what do you have to say about Transformers? Dan, do you have anything to say about Transformers? Really? Tell us more. Okay. Really? Spoiler alert. Yeah. That's more spoilers. You gotta stop with that. We already put the spoiler alert earlier in the episode. Really? This has been Mackenzie Interviews Her Cat. <laughs> About Transformers. So anyway. <laughs> that is something, that's a business model that we had in the 80s uh, in full force. And it is fascinating that that's a business model that we just don't really have outside of like the early to mid 90s. Like that's something that's largely petered off where you really want to sell toys with something, but it's not the specific vehicle just to sell the toy. You don't make episodes just because you have a new playset. Yeah, there are entire playsets that uh, never, ever, ever show up in the show. Like, you know, with Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, boy, Avatar. Oh, God, that whole debacle of Avatar toys. We don't, why would you want, they're not going to buy a, a girl action figure. That's just silly. Let's just give, like, let's just make five bodies and put Aang's head on every single one of them. This is Ghost Aang. Wasn't there, like, a gag design they did for Aang in, like, a huge suit of armor? Like a Warhammer 40k suit of armor? Yeah, no, and it was definitely a direct dig at, like, the toy guys. Anyway, we were talking about robots. So since Transformers really only exists to sell toys, it's hard to do an adaptation that doesn't do this justice. And in fact, like, the first Transformers movie did that. It did it just fine. I'm, I'm sure it sold a crap ton of toys. I know that I bought a couple of them despite the hideous designs. It's fine. The only way that a Transformers adaptation can really fail is at the point where it starts to harm the brand. And my argument is that that happened about 
at the end of the of the second Transformers movie. Perhaps halfway. No, actually, not even that. Within the opening scene of the second Transformers movie, that's where that happened. And it's the point where Optimus Prime commits a war crime. Okay, so you're going to have to catch me up here. I saw Transformers 1 in theaters, and then I said never again. And then uh, Transformers 3 was on Netflix, and there was a riff tracks riff of it, so we queued that up. So I skipped right over Numero Dos. All I know is that Peter Cullen was still in it, and Megatron probably said Starscream, you failed me again. Here's the really important thing you need to realize about the second Transformers movie, which is called Revenge of the Fallen. I just looked it up and then I forgot it and I had to remember it again. Anyway, the important thing you need to realize about Revenge of the Fallen is that it was written during the writer's strike. And by written, I mean that it wasn't. What? There was no screenplay for this movie. What? They had a story outline. They had storyboards. They did not have a screenplay. This is the most expensive improvised student film of all time. Okay, so that business model will work for like short-form television animation, but a movie, not so much. Yeah. Is that why most of this movie is just Shia LaBeouf saying, no, 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 no. That's really where his strength lies as an actor. But yeah, so this was mostly just Michael Bay throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, this movie. But the movie opens with Optimus Prime explaining to us in voiceover that uh, the Autobots have teamed up with the uh, human military, specifically the American military, to hunt down the remaining Decepticons on Earth because that's not sketchy. So how- war crime? Yeah, I'm getting to that. This seems kind of a little like freedom is the right of all sentient beings. This seems like kind of in the opposite direction of that. Well, they're hunting down these Decepticons in, I think, Shanghai, but it's just like generic China. Oh, good. And so they they chase down this Decepticon and Optimus Prime manages to severely wound it uh, and it's lying on the ground dying and he shoots it in the head. Uh, what? Optimus Prime shoots a wounded Decepticon in the head. Point blank. Yeah. Looking it in the eyes. He executes a Decepticon. Hmm. Yep. And at that moment, at that precise moment, this stopped being a good adaptation of Transformers because this stopped being Transformers. That's like Superman blowing up Metropolis. That's like Superman snapping Zod's neck. Yeah. And that's in the first couple of minutes. So the movie keeps going from there? The movie the movie keeps happening after that. It's a long movie. I, I mean I remember I remember I remember number three being an exercise in endurance. Number four was a real exercise in endurance, but yeah. Didn't that have Optimus Pride with a sword on like a dinosaur that may or may not have been Grimlock? Yes, correct. And it was still very long. This sounds like my Jurassic World experience. So yeah, the movie keeps happening after that and nothing of consequence happens in this movie. So don't worry about it. But yeah, and at the end, Optimus is fighting the Fallen, who is apparently the secret leader of the Decepticons. What? Yeah, Megatron didn't start the Decepticons in this continuity. I, I, I'm trying to make noises so you can picture the amount of pinching that's going on with my eyes and the bridge of my nose right now, and I don't think anything's accurately capturing that. I've read Transformers comics for about, like, a couple of weeks now, and I know that that's bullshit. And even then, like, it's still not, it's not the dumbest thing that's ever happened to Transformers. Like, secret leader of the Decepticons that you can kill at the end of the movie, fine. Fine, fine. Except for the fact that Optimus Prime shoots him a couple of times in the chest, and then as he's stumbling away, Optimus Prime runs up to the Fallen and shouts, Give me your face, and then rips off his face. What? That's a thing that happens. Why does he need his face? Optimus Prime is a bloodthirsty war criminal in this movie. But why does he want his face? Apparently that's a thing that badasses say, is give me your face. Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah. To what end? To the end that the fallen then has no face. And then he dies. Did he die of lack of face? He ripped his face off and then the, the, the fallen stumbles around, puts his back to Optimus Prime and Optimus Prime plunges his hand through the fallen's back, reaches through, grabs his spark and pulls it out. Uh, spark, of course, being like his heart, his, his heart and I think also his soul. Yeah, a little bit. So he just rips that out. Yep. Optimus Prime. Yep. Peter Collin. Yep. Freedom is the right of all sentient beings. Yep. Just ripped it out. Yep. Why? Because this movie did not have a writer. Uh, and Michael Pay thought it would be cool. Ah. Yeah. So that is not that is not even the last time Optimus Prime commits a war crime, by the way, because at the end of Transformers 3, uh, Leonard Nimoy robot is on the ground begging for his life and Optimus Prime executes him. I think I was zoned out at that point. And then the, the, the sweeping orchestral ending music happens and Optimus Prime stands in front of an American flag while and nobody seems to think that what he did was wrong in any way. So yeah, that is the point where Transformers stops being Transformers because the Autobots stop being uh, the Autobots and Optimus Prime stops being Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime cannot be a bloodthirsty war criminal. That's not, you can't sell toys of that. But the first one you feel like was was at least Transformers then. It was at the very least Transformers. It was over-focused on the whole the boy in his car angle and Michaela's abs and such. But like, it was no worse than the worst Transformers had ever been. It was still a Transformers movie. It was a bad Transformers movie, but it it was Transformers. So where are those movies going then? What, what's their next move? Well, I didn't see the fourth one, but the fourth one apparently involved Optimus Prime going to space to find the race that created the Cybertronians, which I'm guessing is going to be the Quintessens, but whatevs. And then he, according to the trailers, he comes back and kicks the crap out of Bumblebee. What? Yeah, the trailer uh, involves a scene where Optimus Prime kicks the crap out of Bumblebee for reasons. Can Bumblebee, like, make words now, or does he just do hilarious commercial clips? I don't know. In the second movie, he just went back to talking in the radio because reasons. Hmm. Yeah. You know, Beast Machines wasn't that intolerable. Yeah, Beast Machines is looking a lot better right now, isn't it? Rad telling you about the Transformers isn't looking that bad right now, is it? Remember when, when, when Optimus Primal just kind of sat in front of a big portal and meditated for like 12 episodes and felt really sad and tired? Yeah. That seems pretty okay at the moment. And Rat Trap hugged a plant made out with it after he finished being sad about not having legs. So yeah. You want to talk about Beast Wars for a while? Yeah, I think that would be a good palate cleanser. I like Beast Wars. Dinobot died for your sins. Twice. Twice. Hey, uh, that first season was pretty garbage. Yeah, that wasn't really great. They hadn't hit their stride yet. Yeah, no, they had definitely not. It seems like it takes mainframe about a season for any show to really kind of get the feel for it. Yeah. Because woof-a-doodle reboot. You're hard to watch now. How's it going, Mackenzie? You having fun? I'm fine. I just let my cat out so he'd stop screaming. You enjoy your caramel snacks? I ate them all. Did you enjoy your caramel snacks? They were really good. They taste even better if I mix them with like cheesy puffs. Kind of a salty, sweet umami kind of thing there. Yeah, exactly. Before we just talk randomly about Transformers for a bit, the point that I'm trying to make here is that when it comes to adapting your property, what you really need to make sure is that the person who is adapting it doesn't break your brand doesn't poison your brand. And unfortunately, in my opinion, that's what's happened with the Michael Bay movies. Because for one thing, you can't take your kids to these. 
Yeah, I mean, do you want to subject your children to that? And for another, if the premise of your toy line is that it's the noble and awesome Autobots against the uh, evil Decepticons, you can't have your good guys doing crimes, especially not doing war crimes. No, 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 no. You're not saying it right. Yeah? Autobots wage their battle to destroy the evil forces of the Decepticons. Yeah, it's like that. You misspoke. I fixed it for you. Okay, thank you, Annie. I'm here. But yeah, you can't let the people adapting your shit break your shit. Don't let Superman snap General Zod's neck. Don't let Bugs Bunny antagonize someone who doesn't deserve it. There are rules to how a lot of these things function in a satisfying way, and you kind of have to hold to that, especially when you're doing adaptations. Otherwise, the whole thing feels ingenuine and just kind of falls apart. Oh, we're going to get me started on Superman, aren't we? We probably have a whole episode worth of material, just you talking about Superman. Yeah, it's going to be an upcoming episode, folks, as Kit cries about Superman. I'm very excited for Kit to cry about Superman. There's going to be an entire digression on Space Moses and how uh, superheroism is an inherently Jewish concept. I'm into that. Yeah, I'm not going to do it now because I'm saving it. But yeah, there we go. I actually have kind of a question, though, because you're more of a Transformers person than I am. This is a TV show slash tie-in comic book from the 80s meant to sell toys, many of which the episodes didn't even have that much of a budget and, like, the animation areas are just all over the place. Just search, like, a GIF of Transformers animation era and it's just, it's, inc- it's incredible. So what has made this robot thing endure? Why am I crying about gay memory sticks now? I think the success of the original TV show is that the show was playing with the Transformers toys in the way, same way that you were. It was a thing that begged, for lack of a better word, fan fiction. It was a thing that begged that you participate in it. So you would see the Autobots fighting the Decepticons on the cartoon, and you would be playing with the toys yourself and fleshing out the characters and creating whole arcs for them and personalities for them that only existed in, like, bare-bones ways in the TV show itself. Sorry, John just showed me a pizza that he got from the grocery store. It's a DiGiorno, and it's it's got bacon and cheese, and it's called Bacon Me Crazy. Oh, God. God bless these United States of America. Your country's interesting. It's got its ups and downs. A lot of... A lot of downs, but, you know, stuffed crust pizza. I miss cheese sauce. You mean from Steak and Shake? I mean from pizza places and Steak and Shake. You can get cheese sauce from pizza places. Not around here. I mean, Papa John's, but it's not the same cheese sauce. You mean the Mother Bear's cheese sauce? Yeah, I mean the Mother Bear's cheese sauce. You know what I mean. Yeah, okay, that's fair. This is an episode with a lot of digressions. But, yeah. But, yeah, I I think that, and also the fact that, you know... Once Hasbro gets its teeth into a property that's successful, they are unlikely to let it go. So they just do the same five-year relaunch over and over again and Transformers. Yeah, I can't believe the Transformers has this many years of comic history. Like, it totally passed me by. It's had, like, several different publishers, too. In Gen 1, there were the Marvel uh, Transformers comics, which were largely published in the UK. Then there were the uh, Dreamwave Transformers comics, which weren't very good. Was that the one where, like, it has that one artist who just draws a whole bunch of big blocky shapes and then puts a whole bunch of gratuitous lines on them? Yes. Ah, okay. That style. And then IDW got the license, and the IDW comic had its ups and downs. Uh, I would argue that it only got good when uh, you got writers like James Roberts coming on, and who were actually deciding to write cool science fiction using 
characters that happen to be Transformers. One thing that's fascinated me and made me almost a little angry about this is that James Roberts is very clearly a British person. Yes. These robots are saying things like pop it and give us a look and to write. Yeah, the, the, the robots in, in James Roberts' Transformers comics all have British accents. This is just something we accept. Yeah, I just sort of got used to it. I mean, it's not any less plausible than them all having American accents. I mean, you're not wrong. But the fun thing about James Roberts is that he, he is an old school Transformers fan fiction author. So he got it. That explains it. Yeah. He wrote a whole uh, Transformers fanfiction novel called Eugenesis, which I haven't gotten around to reading, but is, which is a doorstopper. Yeah, he was on the old Usenet groups and... Uh, yeah, now he's writing about his Transformers OCs for money. There you go. That's that's apparently how you do it. That's that's right, kids. You too <laughs> can have this be your career path. And it also seems like Transformers has a whole lot of popularity stateside and in the Western world when a lot of people conflate it with it being a purely Japanese property, which like there have been anime and it seems like a lot of the toys come from out of there, but it's not entirely Japanese, right? It, it's like a weird collaborative thing. There were the transforming robot toys that came out of Japan, the the original first line of those, and Hasbro got wind of those and basically bought the rights and started making their own and created a cartoon to sell them. And, you know, the making of the TV show has kind of bounced between the States and Japan, like Armada was like, Armada and the two shows that followed it up. Or they were anime. They were Japanese shows. And then, of course, Mainframe was a Canadian studio. So Beast Wars was technically Canadian. And it's interesting. And there's all sorts of... There's been plenty of Transformers manga over the years, like uh, Kiss Players. Do you know about Kiss Players? Oh, I do. But please record it for posterity. Kiss Players is a Transformers spinoff manga where uh, the Autobots and the Decepticons are doing their thing, but they get like combat power-ups from kissing girls. Schoolgirls. It's icky. There's an entire panel where Megatron tries to get a little girl to French him, and it's gross. That was a real property. It was licensed. I'm not even sure who at Hasbro was responsible for greenlighting that, but that's fascinating. I'm always weirded out by the fact that there's this whole other, like, continuity of Beast Wars over in Japan. They made a Beast Wars 2. Yep, there was a, there was a follow-up manga... And this might be worth recording for posterity. In the Japanese dub of the Beast Wars uh, animated series, uh, they decided to make Airazor a dude. And Airazor, who is female in the uh, Canadian and American version, uh, has a romance with Tigertron, who is, as you might anticipate, a male tiger. So when they flipped the gender of Airazor, all of a sudden they had a gay romance on their hands. And so they decided to try and play it off as like a master-apprentice relationship, which didn't make it any less homoerotic, but also made it deeply uncomfortable. Ah, but you have to remember that this is a kind of gayness that you don't talk about that Japan loves. They love this kind of story. It's all over Heian era. It's like a master and a subfamily thing. Tigertron was Airazor's retainer. You even see tamer versions of this stuff in like Oran High School Hose Club with uh, Mori Senpai and Honey Senpai. That is their bread and butter. They eat it up. But you do get the feeling that this is one of those things they brought over, but they didn't look at all the episodes before they did it, which I'm pretty sure Saban does every time they bring over a new Power Rangers. They just don't look at it. They look at two episodes and then they're just like, whatever, it's fine. So yeah. Did you know the Green Ranger just freaking dies in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers original stuff? What? There's a whole episode. It's called Parai Dies. Wow. There's no ambiguity there. No. 
they paid so much more money for those guys to just keep making footage that included the Green Ranger in it. It's a whole thing and like the Super Sentai, like tokusatsu thing. It's fascinating. But no, I bet Japan did that exact same thing with Harry. They just reverse and are like, well, it's fine. I mean, there's boobs, but like nobody's going to look at a girl robot. Wait, they're kissing? Shit, shit, shit. One of the things that all that's always been fascinating about Transformers to me compared with other uh, kids' properties is their perhaps over-willingness to kill off characters and have terrible things happen to them. Yeah, what the hell? I mean, they could get away with straight up gore because it's robots and it's just Energon and wires all over the place. Like you can, there can be a literal hole in somebody and they're just, you know, they're not super great, but they're fine. They can walk and talk. Characters can just cut off their hands for funsies. The Transformers movie is pretty infamous for the fact that it killed off many, most of the beloved cast, the original cartoon. Yeah, the Transformers movie, like we're not talking about the Michael Bay one. We're talking about the animated one that Mackenzie has never seen, but knows all the words of the theme song for. You got the touch. You got the power. There it is. When all hell's breaking loose. I'm done. Okay, good. Yeah, it killed off like most of the main Transformers characters in like the first, what, 10 minutes of the of the movie? Yeah, thereabouts. Later, there was a fight song to Weird Al's Dare to be Stupid. <laughs> How did that happen? I don't understand. I remember watching that with my brother and being like, wait, that can't be. Is that based on another song? Is that not one of his? Uh... Yeah, that's. That's dare to be stupid. Uh, so you can see why I don't think Michael Bay ruined my childhood. It's because Transformers has had a lot of up and downs over the years. I mean, Megatron, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, in the first Bay movie, Megatron just ripped Starscream in half unceremoniously on top of a skyscraper. Um, that wasn't the first one. In the first one, he ripped Jazz in half on top of a skyscraper. Oh, it was Jazz. He ripped Jazz in half. They killed the black robot immediately. Immediately. Unceremoniously, it just got ripped in twain. And then meanwhile, you have like Optimus Prime and most of your favorite characters dying within five seconds so they could bring in the new team over in the cartoon movie. Make way for Rodimus Prime! One of my favorite things about More Than Meets the Eye and the Lost Light is that Rodimus is the most amazing, like, shitty man-child of all time. He painted his room hot pink from floor to ceiling and there are flames surrounding his door. He writes on his desk. With a knife. He briefs people by running up and down the halls of the ship and shouting, who's up for a fight? You know, now that I know that this is all from a guy that wrote fan fiction, this is starting to make so much more sense. Yeah, if you've been reading more than meets the eye and, you know, something about it is familiar and you're not sure what, now you know. It reads like fan fiction. It is. It is the best kind of fan fiction. But yeah, oh yeah, Starscream does get some limbs ripped off in the Bay movies. I think it's in the third one. Why does he keep employing Starscream? That is the eternal question, honestly. And the only answer I can come up with is, it's a cartoon. It's a TV show, you should really just relax. It's a cartoon. Starscream just needs to be there. What I admire about uh, Transformers Prime, the, the cartoon, is that Megatron gets fed up with Starscream pretty damn quick. And then from then on, Starscream's out. He's kicked out and wandering alone and getting into scrapes. And it's hilarious. I have one more important question for you. Yep. Why Universe hate Waspinator? Because he's the Starscream, because they killed off the actual Starscream at the end of season one. Yeah, they had a Starscream all set up. And then they murdered him. Yeah, at the end of season one, they just chucked a whole bunch of characters into a lava pit and gave the other ones chrome highlights. God, when Optimus Primal ends up on that missile to the moon and can't escape. Uh, I the just, fake moon. The fake moon. When I, I watched that as a kid and that screwed me up so bad. 
Like, I was appalled. Yeah, there was a season break before he came back as a skateboarding chrome monkey. I know! I thought Optimus Primal was dead! I was ten! I didn't know what was gonna happen! Then he came back as a flying skateboarding chrome monkey. No, I'm sorry, he surfboards. By the way, Transformers is the reason that my reflexive response to anyone complaining about changes to a long-running canon is truck not monkey. It's because at the time, on Usenet, there was a lot of complaining about Optimus Primal, that Optimus Prime was supposed to be a badass Mack truck and not a stupid monkey, and so truck not monkey, in all caps, became this reflexive joke to anyone complaining about how Transformers or any other long-running property was ruined forever! Well, the joke's on them. In season three, Optimus Prime became a flying monkey jet robot monkey with a robot head and a truck. I think they also threw a truck in there. Megatron turned into a freaking dragon. I think he got the better deal. I didn't have a lot of the Beast Wars toys as a kid because my parents worked in newspapers. I was friends with this kid named Patrick and Patrick had rich parents and his parents were divorced and they were constantly trying to buy his love. So he had all the Beast Wars toys. So um, I would go over to Patrick's house a lot. And yeah, I remember that the, the dragon and like the new Optimus Prime and both of those were like 40 or 50 bucks and they were huge and god. John's got the dragon. It's at his parents' house. Why isn't it at your house? You know, I think we're waiting to bring it up with all of the original run Bionicles plus the little old dude leaders. I forget their names. What are their names again? The Turaga. The Turaga, right. We're waiting to bring those all up together, I think. It pleases me immensely that John has a bunch of original run Bionicles. Man, that was one of the reasons that I decided to stick with this guy after dating him. He's got all of them. They're all on a nice shelf together. They're well posed. I like that you're married to John for the same reason that I was friends with Patrick. Uh, this isn't a particularly structured episode, folks. We're just kind of rambling here. Little green robots and a big blue robot. Can't smile. You got the touch! You got the power! Yeah! Is there a sweet guitar solo in there? I feel like there's a sweet guitar solo in there. Yeah, that's how it starts. And then it goes into, like, the sky just kind of singing. After all is said and done, you've never walked away. You've never won. You're a winner! You got the moves! You know the streets. It's great. So how is that about robots, though? How How is that about robots? Because robots got the touch. They got the power. They're at their best when the going gets rough and they've been put to the test. But it's never enough! I don't know. Why was Donna Summers the power of one in the Pokemon movie? They just put these things in there. They don't think about it. I mean, that's fair. They want to roll the dice on managing to get a music Oscar for best original song. Also, I should note that there is a line that's like, uh, it's in your blood, it's in your will, it's in your mighty hands of steel. I mean, come on, that's robots. Well, I guess that's robots. Yeah, that would that would make sense. You got the touch. Unless that's about the Silver Hawks, who are partly metal and partly real. Aren't we all? You know, I don't think they're even partly real. They were cyborgs. I think there were androids that were made to look like people, actually. I think there were androids. That's a whole different 80s thing. I'm sorry. The Silverhawks? Silverhawks, yes. Oh boy. Oh boy, this is very 80s. I googled it. Had you never seen Silverhawks before? There's a bad guy who can erase your memories and record them. And guess what? His chest is a tape cassette. My chest, too, is a tape cassette. Your brain is a tape cassette. Your mom's a tape cassette. So is your face. Yeah. Oh my god, there's a Silverhawks wiki. Isn't there an everything wiki at this point? There's an Alvin and the Chipmunks wiki called Monkopedia. Why is it Monkopedia? I don't know, because they're chipmunks. 
All I remember is that I found it late one night when I couldn't sleep. It was like 2 a.m. And I somehow ended up looking at the page for Brittany, you know, the pink one, the girl chipmunk that wears clothes. And it listed her likes and dislikes. And it was very comprehensive. Among her dislikes was the color green and evil forces. God bless the internet. But yeah, if you ever want to go down a, a hell of a research hole with a lot of really sarcastic captions, TF Wiki is for you. Yeah, that, now was that actually founded by David Willis? Or is he just a very large part of filling up those episodes because that man likes Transformers a lot? I'm on TF Wiki now and I'm looking for like a origin of the wiki page. I wonder if I just, if I search TF Wiki on TF Wiki, do you think the entire website will explode? Probably. You know, actually that reminds me of something else that we have not talked about at all in regards to Transformers. They don't just sell toys for children. No, they sell toys for like olds with money. There are con-exclusive, very high-detailed versions of toys. There are a lot of Dinobots. There are so many Dinobots. Okay, so I searched for David Willis on the TF Wiki, and this is the opening paragraph. David Willis is one of several fan artists who has made the jump to working on official Transformers product. He is also known as It's Walkie here on the Transformers Wiki. Don't go near him in person. He has a class 2 ear fungus and is a threat to everyone around him. That man is children. I knew a guy that I worked with um, at one of my previous jobs who was a Transformers guy. And I mean that with a capital T, capital G. I, I know some people that I classify as Transformers guys. Hi, Keith. If you're listening to this, you're not the guy I'm talking about, but you're my Transformers guy, Keith. But this guy at work, he once sat down and explained to me the toy collection thing about how, like, you can get Transformers, but you have to actually buy, like, separate Transformers toys that aren't technically Transformers toys because they're not, like, $600 and they don't have the license, but they're definitely Transformers toys. Like, your good friend, the pink female robot, Barcy. Yeah. And the Frombiners. The Breckers. There's a lot of characters from the comics that if you want to toy with them, you have to go bootleg. I find that fascinating. They're like really good bootlegs, too. It's interesting to me that Transformers, there's two halves to Transformers fandom. There is the half that uh, obsessively curates the history of the uh, properties and the various continuities and takes pride in actually collecting the entirety of a single toy line. And then there's the half that writes... Smut. Smut with robot vaginas and robot dicks. And robot dicks above robot vaginas. And yeah. I mean, a lot of it's got to be gay, right? <laughs> it is all gay because the characters are mostly male, or at least male presenting. The official line is that Transformers are an agender species that use male pronouns. Yeah, the same way the Asari are. Yeah, and uh, there's been a couple of different ways that female Transformers are approached. In Gen 1, it was that female Transformers were actually uh, like a separate species that was near extinct. So there was only like five or six of them left. I was actually reading about this like earlier today to try to suss out this female Transformer thing. Yep. Apparently there was a point in comics continuity where they were basically smurfetted. Yeah, there was... Uh Oh, God, the way that the IDW comics handled RC is like a clown show. And they're only recently starting to be like, yeah, that was fucked up. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. But in the comics, and this may be triggering for like people who have sense. Here's the truncated version. You know how Gargamel made Smurfette? You know how you didn't know that Gargamel made Smurfette? Well, Gargamel made Smurfette. That's why there's only one female Smurf. That's why Smurfs probably reproduce like asexually. Imagine that, but with creepy robots. The official story for those who, like, skip ahead 30 seconds if you're going to be upset by this, which you probably will be, is that a male Autobot was captured by an evil scientist Decepticon and experimented on and turned female. Yay! 
Let that let that sink in. Let all the implications of that sink in because it's bad. It's very bad. Now, as I understand it, the general consensus is, well, actually, they're only being dude robots on Cybertron is kind of weird. And everywhere else has like other robots. Yeah, there are other colonies of Transformers and a couple of them decided to try out the genders for a laugh. And now there are multiple genders of Transformers instead of just all a bunch of male presenting robots. But it's it's a work in progress. Anyway, that's why all the robots and more than meets the eye are gay because they they gotta be. They're just bots being bros. They're just very good friends. You could say I love you to your very good friend. Very, very good friend. So good friends that they've married each other. <laughs> because they're such good friends. Because they're such good friends. They've married each other. Oh, God, they're married. How's it going, Mac? It's going good. I've got the touch. I've got the power. Just check it in. Why do they keep being ripped from each other? Why does that little waste disposal robot love his giant samurai evil friend so much? So yeah. Horned jet samurai robot. So we're coming in on kind of the end of the episode here. We've talked about the IDW Transformers comics a bit. If you want like good, solid Transformers comics that actually like get it and still manage to do interesting things with the property, anything by James Roberts is usually good. He did uh, a miniseries called Last Stand of the Wreckers that stands on its own pretty well. So if you're into like horrible things happening to cute robots and also really good science fiction writing, maybe check that out to see if whether James Roberts is for you. I will say this, if you use Comixology, Comixology Unlimited has about four volumes of More Than Meets the Eye on there for free. Well, with your Comixology Unlimited subscription. As someone who, as I've said earlier, has had minimal exposure to G1 continuity of like original Transformers, I've found it very approachable with just a little bit of catching up. The basic idea is the war from the cartoon and the comics, it's lasted four million years and it's over. So you pick up from there, but you don't really have to deal with that very much aside from knowing that like Decepticons and Autobots aren't fighting anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of complicated continuity uh, involved there that you can just basically ignore. If you do want a little more insight into the past of some of the characters, James Roberts also co-wrote a a two-part arc in the preceding uh, Transformers series called Chaos Theory, which sort of breaks down like how Optimus Prime and Megatron met each other for the first time and the events that influenced their worldviews going into the war. And that's pretty neat. But it's also like in the middle of like near the end of this long running like two dozen issue Transformers comic. So if that's a little daunting for you, that's fine. Yeah, I haven't read that. I've picked it up really well, aside from a couple of moments where I'm like, okay, I'll just run with it, which I'm used to with Cape Comics. But I would say I would definitely pick up Transformers more than meets the eye if you're interested. Just give it a shot. Like Kit said, it's got really cool sci-fi stories told incidentally with robots, like some kind of murderous creature being let loose on board a spaceship. Uh, So you've got an alien thing. You've got uh, stories with time travel, stories with quantum mechanics of like like separate universes and separate instances. You've got and everybody goes to Pleasure Planet and gets drunk story. It's basically everything you love about any long running space odyssey series, but with Transformers. Eventually, you'll be able to tell the robots apart. And that's when you need to brace yourself because right after you can start being able to tell these robots apart, it will take a while. That's when they start ripping your heart apart. This is they just start punching you right in the throat. Just brace yourself for it. If you enjoy pain, these are the comics for you. 
Yeah, and don't expect to be able to recognize all the robots on site at once. It took me a really long time. I'm still figuring out a lot of the ancillary cast. So just be kind to yourself. Yeah, as long as you know how to recognize Optimus Prime on site, you're usually fine. And his name is Orion Pax, sort of, sometimes. His name used to be Orion Pax before he became a Prime. Which is a thing, but now he's Orion Pax again, except to the part I'm at in the comics where he's Optimus Prime again. Don't worry about it. He's the big red robot with the truck in the face. Yeah, you know when you see him. He's in all the commercials. Megatron has a helmet. He's got a bucket on his head. When did he get those chest tattoos? When did that become part of his design? Because that's all I can really call them. They're just like a little sweet spoiler there. Yeah, Megatron's design has been through a lot in the comics. Clearly. In Chaos Theory, he looks completely different. Um, He's great big and purple and spiky. Yeah, wasn't he a tank in one of the Transformers anime? He's been a lot of different things. And now he's back to being a gun. They actually mentioned that he gets very small when he turns into a gun. He got stuck in his gun alt mode at some point and had to be carried around by other Decepticons. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. So let's wrap this up because my American pizza is ready. Uh, We hope you guys have enjoyed this somewhat casual episode. We had some difficulty figuring out when we were able to record it, and as a result, we weren't able to do much prep, and so this is what we've got, is we've got down the Transformers rabbit hole with the ladies of I Will Fight You. Or two of them, at least. How's it going, Mac? I'm doing pretty good. Okay, we're almost done. You're dreaming about macaroni and cheese. And consider this, if nothing else, something in the same vein as our Harry Potter episode, which, by the way, you guys, I've been making a list. We're probably going to need a part two. Part two of the Wizarding World makes no sense. Further nonsensical things. Hopefully, after all that, with a little bit of rambling, we've convinced you of the very real fact that Transformers is a cautionary tale for licensed properties. And also convince you that you should read Transformers more than meets the eye. Probably should. In the meantime, though, we've got some final facts. Kit, what's your final fact? The Smurfette principle is almost never a good idea. No, correction. The Smurfette principle is never a good idea, especially when you introduce robot body horror to it. Mac, what's your final fact? You've got the touch! You've got the power! Uh, okay. Annie, what's your final fact? My final fact is that little green robots go into big blue robots, and then you cry about a memory stick. I'm having some problems. Annie's emotionally compromised, folks. I've been screaming at Kid online for weeks. It's real good. Please read more than meets the eye and share my pain. And then message Annie about how much your pain hurts so she can laugh and feel the way I do right now. It's the only thing that'll help. Message me if you've got the touch. I Will Fight You comes about every six weeks. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and YouTube. If you want to talk to us, you can also find us at The Gem Jam on Twitter, which is our main Twitter account. You can also find our episodes on crookedrussiancam.tumblr.com and thegemjam.tumblr.com. If you like what you do and you want to support us, a like, rating, review, subscribe, wherever you find our podcast is always super helpful, helps our metrics, helps us get discovered, helps other people listen to us scream about robots. If you want to support us financially, you can do that on patreon.com slash the gem jam for a couple bucks a month you can support both the gem jam and this podcast as well as any other projects that we are able to actually financially and technologically do that's been fun join us next time when our stone cold fact will be ever after is proof that historical accuracy is tremendously overrated we decided mac needed to scream it's another girly garbage episode folks garbage episode they're my favorite until next time dear listeners i'm annie i'm kit And I'm Mac. And we have fought you. Uh